So hey, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Um, we're going to camp out in the end there uh, of verse 16 through 20. Um, and as, as you grab your Bibles, as you look up that passage, um, if you weren't here last week, uh, I taught a message called Not a Fan. And we talked about, um, we just kind of had this moment that we call the DTR moment with Jesus. And the DTR moment with Jesus, how many of you know what DTR stands for? It stands for define the relationship. And so during last week, during the whole time of teaching, it was really a time for you and I to, to define the relationship that we have with Jesus. Are we just fans or are we just followers? And one of the things I said last week is there's, there was two things I wasn't a fan of. I wasn't a fan of Jesus and I wasn't a fan of marriage. And the reason why I said this was because fans don't get in the game. And so you and I are called to not just be fans that just kind of sit on the sideline, but we're called to get in the game. And a definition of a fan is someone who's more of an enthusiastic admirer. If you were here last week, you know, I kind of picked on football fans and, and don't worry, now I'm going to really make you happy by using a lot of analogies. So it's come full circle. So I've got you covered. But we looked at, we looked at the topic that, that being a fan, when it came to those that that were interested and really liked Jesus was that fans were the guys that, and the gals that were close enough to Jesus to want to get the benefits, but not close enough where it required sacrifice because those were followers. And so we ended on the fact that Jesus is not looking for fans. We made that really, really clear that Jesus is looking for followers and not just any old followers that are going to make their own definition of following, but actually followers that understand a couple things, that there's no forgiveness without repentance, no salvation without surrender, no life without death, and no belief without following. And so we talked through some of these things and we, I closed our time last week on the question of, am I just an admirer of Jesus or am I truly a follower? And just for us to just kind of think and process on that last week. And so what I wanted to do this morning was really give a follow-up of here's what it means to be a follower. Here's some things that Jesus then, in the last interaction that he had with his disciples, he gave them. And a follower, that I'll kind of use both, I'll use both of these words this morning, but a follower is a disciple. And we've talked about this many times before. And, and a disciple or a follower is someone who is fully committed to Christ. Someone who is fully committed to Christ. So when, when Jesus gathers these guys for what we call the instruction of the Great Commission, he gives them this instruction as disciples. There's no fans around. It's just the disciples, and there's a few of them. And so we're going to pick up in verse 16, and I'm going to read 16 through 20. And then we'll just unpack this text of what it means for you and I to get in the game. So in verse 16 of chapter 28, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so there's really three things 
that I want to unpack and, and that are in your notes this morning. Three things that we really see from, from this text between Jesus and the disciples. And, and they're all really, really great. Because I, I think where we, where we start off from Jesus is we see a great authority. He gives them a great command and then a great promise. And so I just want to unpack this a little bit on the subject of us getting in the game. And so the first thing for us to look at from this text is that getting in the game means listening to the coach. Getting in the game means listening to the, to the coach. Before Jesus gives them the, the command, he gives them a bit of, of encouragement and he also gives them the information that he has all authority. In verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So it's not just some authority. It's not just a little bit authority and it's not just authority in selective areas, maybe just on earth or just in heaven. Jesus says, I have been given all authority because at this point, Jesus has died, but is now resurrected. And Jesus says, I've beat death. I've beat death and I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And so here's why this is a big deal for you and I, because Jesus's authority and our understanding of it is a huge deal as disciples. In Matthew 11, verse 29, I love this part. Jesus tells the crowd and the, and the group around him, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, here's what I understand, understood when I was more of a young Christian. I mean, I'm still learning, but as I was learning, I always could never understand why Jesus would say, take my egg upon you. Like, what, is, what does the egg yoke have anything to do with it, right? And I started studying a little bit more and understanding it's got nothing to do with eggs. But actually, when Jesus was talking about the yoke, he was using an illustration, an analogy of a yoke in that day, which was a wooden cross piece that fastened around two animals or even two people to carry the load, to carry the load of a burden. And so Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn. So this was something that was an analogy of a frame fitting over the neck or shoulders of someone. So rather than us carrying the load of, of life, of discipleship alone, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. But here's the interesting thing about a yoke. If you're going to do that, you have to submit. You have to submit to that authority. You, you can't just go, I, I like that idea and I'm gonna be a part of it when it works. Because remember we talked last week and when Jesus calls people to follow in Luke 9, 23, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And so what we see from these verses is that Jesus is constantly calling people to submit to him. Jesus is now saying, I have all authority and I want you to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then we see in the, in the next sentence that Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But if you and I understand this, this idea of a yoke being the cross piece that you put on two animals or on two servants, that seems burdensome. That seems restricting. But here's the thing that's so different that Jesus is saying. Because a yoke back in the day, not only was that wooden piece, but it was also the concept of submitting to the authority of a teacher or leader. 
And so in that time, when they would submit to that authority, they would take the teachings and the religious views and beliefs and say, those are mine. Those are mine. I'm in submission to you and whatever you say goes. And so people would submit to the yoke of the Pharisees and theirs was not easy and theirs was not light because they had all of these religious rules. We see this throughout the the four gospels where Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, that there's constantly issues and they keep trying to complicate it and call Jesus out on, on the rules he's not following because their yoke was law. Their yoke was focusing on religion, but Jesus's yoke was grace. Jesus's yoke was the cross and the gospel. And so we see that this contrast where the Pharisees would say like, you got to submit to our leadership, to our authority. It was all these things that you have to do. And submitting to the authority of Jesus was saying, submit to the fact that I've already done this. I've already done this. And so when we see in Luke 9, 23, it says, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a constant reminder of what Jesus has already done. So when we take his yoke upon us, when we submit to Jesus's authority, when we listen to the coach, it's about following what he's already done. The example that he's already set because Jesus's yoke was about grace, the cross and the gospel. But the Pharisees yoke was about the law and about slavery and trying to do everything perfect. And we see this in Galatians 5.1, the same terminology used where in verse one, it says, for freedom, Christ has set you free, has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't submit to a yoke of slavery. And so for you and I to listen to the coach, to follow the authority of Jesus, it's not like any other authority. It's not like any other authority that has a 10 point system of of maturity in Christ. Following Christ is about following who Christ is. And so because of the power of the cross and, and his resurrection, the gospel's made complete and we're invited to go. And so Jesus tells his disciples, all authority, listen, I'm not putting it all on you. I'm not putting all my chips on, on you. You don't have to be awesome. I'm awesome. That's a huge difference. That's the difference between religion and the gospel is that the religion says you've got to be awesome to do this. The gospel says God's awesome. God's awesome. And Jesus has now been given all authority. So Jesus doesn't say, because I have authority, I want you to go sit on the sidelines. Jesus says, I have authority, so therefore I want you to go out and I want you to get in the game. And so for you and I to understand the Great Commission, we have to understand that it begins with Jesus's authority, that that's a game changer, that for everyone back in that day, they were constantly trying to submit to the yoke of the Pharisees of that religious system. But Jesus said, submit to me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so getting in the game means listening to the coach. And then we see that getting in the game means adding to the team. It means adding to the team. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just of your area, not just of your town, but of all 
nations. And he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so he calls them to make disciples. And so disciple making is the intentional process of reaching out to people, establishing people in their walk with God and equipping leaders to do the same. And this is what we're called to. This is what you and I together are called to. This isn't just a, a pastor's thing or a, or a ministry leader's thing, but all of us together are called to make disciples. But we often feel like we're scared. That's a really different thing to do, to go make disciples, Right? Some of us may feel disqualified. We even feel disinterested in the process going, there's, there's a lot more things that I would need to learn before I can do this whole discipleship thing. And remember, we talked, it starts with becoming disciples. We talked about that last week. And here's what I believe. If we were to break it down into three words, here's what I believe that I've really learned from, from investing in the process of making disciples. I think it's in three things that we learned the process of discipleship. And that's learn the gospel, live the gospel, and share the gospel. That we would learn the gospel, live the gospel, and share the gospel. And so what that means is, is, is not everyone is, is made to know these, these five points of discipleship and you've got to know everything and then you can go out and invest in people. But it, but it does begin with first learning the gospel. To see and experience what Christ has done to set you free, what he's done to set you free. And then to live the gospel means to display and to model that, model and display what Christ has done to set you free. And then for you to share the gospel is to go tell and to do the, word, the good works that shows that Christ has set you free. And so for us to get on board with this model of discipleship, I believe that it's where we need to begin with learning the gospel and then living the gospel and sharing the gospel. And Paul tells the Ephesians in chapter four, verse 11 and 12, he gives them instruction. He said, listen, all of you are the ministers of the gospel. All of you play a part in this. And he instructs the body. And he says, verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. He gave them these gifts for this reason, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you know who the saints are? You are, you're the saints. So if anyone says, oh man, I'm a, I'm a sinner and they're walking in relationship with Christ, clarify that for them, that yeah, you struggle in a sin world, but you're a saint. Your identity is saint. Your identity is not sinner. That's not your identity. And so when Paul clarifies for the Ephesians and says, listen, I've get, God has given these gifts to these men and women to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that they would learn the gospel, live the gospel and share the gospel. And so what that means for you and I is that this is only huddle time. This isn't the game. On a Sunday morning, this isn't the game. This isn't all that it's about. This is part of what it's about, but this isn't what it's about. Because the church for, for us, the church as the body of Christ, not the building, but the church is only effective when we understand that this weekend gathering is all about gathering leaders, not leading gatherings. Do you see the difference there? 
that it's about you and I gathering leaders rather than leading gatherings, that we would equip one another, encourage one another, that we would confess things to one another, that we would challenge one another and then go out. And so this weekend gathering is not what it's all about. This is just part of what it's about. But making disciples is a difficult process. It's an important process, but it's a difficult process. I know for my ministry, when I first started at Mount Vernon, we had an awesome youth ministry of about 80 kids. And then I grew it to 20. Um, And the reason why we switched that is because we switched the, the piece of wanting to lead gatherings to gather leaders. And I realized we were doing more and more about trying to make everyone feel comfortable than try to work on people's character. And I realized we weren't learning the gospel. We were sharing fragments of it, but we weren't learning the gospel. And then we weren't effectively living it and then effectively sharing it. And so making disciples is a difficult process, but adding to the team is critical for you and I, that each one of us play a role. No matter what your age is, no matter what your background is, each one of us play a role in making disciples. Because it's easy to gather many people in the room and and, and get them to raise their hands if we just say, hey, everybody raise your hands or hey, here's a challenge I have for you. Just hear it and then then go out for the rest of the week and and we're not gonna talk until next Sunday and then I'm gonna give you a new challenge and something else for you to do. And so it's not just about the weekend gathering what we do here, but this is an important part. So for you and I, adding to the team means investing intentionally in relationships outside of today. Investing intentionally in relationships outside of today. Shauna and I just started our small group two weeks ago. And my wife loves to feed people. So that's just a hook, line, and sinker for anyone who wants to come to small group because you get fed, right? And, and that's, a great, that's a great starter. And it's just been so incredible over just the last two weeks to meet with some of these couples, to hear parts of their story and, and continue to walk through life with them, to hear their story, to know where they're coming from and and to see that discipleship process made true. That we're not just showing up here on a Sunday, it's good to see we're making a connection and then that's it, but we're beginning to develop relationship. And so for you and I, getting in the game means adding to the team, adding to the team. And then in the last part that we see from Jesus, getting in the game means learning to run the place. To not just get the concept, but, but go and live it. And one of the last things Jesus says is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. As you go make disciples, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And here's, here's an example I wanna give you as we, as we just kind of wind down our time to a close. Have you ever watched, and I'm not saying professional football, but have you ever watched a group of guys or a group of gals go and play a football game? They don't really know a lot, and there's kind of some chaos in the midst of it. They're, they're getting ready to play the game. You know, they're organizing the team, the positions, picking who's going to do what, and they're, they're getting the gear out, and, and they're ready to play. And as they start the game, each begins to follow the rules in their own way. Have you ever seen this? They each begin to interpret the rules and the, and the playbook of the game as they see fit. 
And so the interaction gets really interesting and someone then would say, well, I know it's, it's 11 guys to a team on the field, but you know, I really like even numbers. So can we just do 10? Let's just do 10. Let's just bench the other guy. Let's, let's do 10 instead of 11. I get that 11 works, but, but I like even numbers. And so he brings in his idea of how many, how many guys and gals should be on the field. And someone else says, you know, I, I know if, if your team intercepts the ball during a play, then that, that means that's an interception and you have the ball. But, but I don't really think that's fair. And I think everyone should get a participation trophy here. So because of that, <laughs> let's allow it to be where, where if they drop the ball, we're just going to keep giving them another chance. Let's just do that. So, so you know, and, and if it turns out to be a monopoly, no big deal. We're just playing for fun. And, and, so, and so let's just change that a little bit. And then someone else comes in and says, hey, hey I've, I used to play on an all-star team. And I figure since I know more than the rest of you, I'll let you know when you're not following the rules correctly. So listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on the sidelines. And, and you know what? You guys, you guys can just call me the rule ref if you want. And I'm just going to keep observation. And you know what? I'll even keep track of your stats if I like them. And, and, and I'm just going to follow this to the best of my ability. I mean, do you hear how ridiculous this is? You, you get the concept of how, how stupid this game would be at that point if they're not following the plays that are laid out for them in the playbook, right? This seems ridiculous. But here's what's interesting. This is what we do with the Bible. This is what we do with the Bible. We get together in a group and we hold this thing and we don't use the interpretation of what Jesus instructs us in. We use the interpretation of how we view it. And it becomes more about our comfort than our character development. And so someone comes in and says, you know, I like this piece of what Jesus is, but I don't really like this. You know, I really dig the Jesus who's gonna let the hookers and the, and the tax collectors hang out, but I don't like the Jesus that flips the tables. I don't like that guy. And so I'm gonna follow this piece over here, but I'm not gonna follow this piece. Or someone else comes in and says, I'm gonna interpret this to mean I, my life should be this five-point system. And this person says, this should be my five-point system. And the problem is with alignment. It's where we take our lives and then align scripture to it. But what Jesus says to become fully devoted disciples that get in the game, that means taking the word taking the word and aligning ourselves with it. Not aligning the word with ourselves, but ourselves with the word. That whatever the interpretation, whatever the outcome, a disciple is one who is fully committed to Jesus, whatever the cost. And so for you and I to to get in the game, to listen to the coach, that he has all authority, and for you and I to begin to add players to the game and learn to run the plays of the real playbook. That means you and I need to follow what it says, not what we say. But here's what I want to remind you of, is that discipleship, the processes of this, is not a solo mission. It is not a solo mission. There's a very specific reason why Jesus didn't go 11 times to his guys to tell them the Great Commission, but told them together that he told them together to go out. And the last thing that Jesus says in that that piece, in verse 20, is I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always. 
Because Jesus wants us to know that he loves us and he's called us to bring others into the game, into his authority and into relationship with him. And so together, I don't have a question for you. I don't, I don't have a five-point system for you. I just want to say together, let's get in the game. Together, let's get in the game. It's not a solo mission for you to go, go out and make 400 disciples in the next 12 months. We're not going to grade you on it. But the more we align ourselves with scripture, the more disciple making is where we see we need to be and investing in those around us. Understanding that this is a part, but it's not the whole part. And so together, let's get in the game. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have been given authority and that you don't send us out on our authority, but on yours. So Lord, would you teach us to submit to that authority, to respond to that command, not a, not a suggestion, but that command, and that we would rest in that promise that as we go out and make disciples and follow your word, you are with us. So Father, we just, we thank you for this morning, for this part that we get to be in. Father, I thank you for each person in this room. Father, I pray that, that as we come to a close this morning, that we would take to heart what it means for each of us individually to get in the game. That Lord, we would be fully committed followers of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen.